Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. Science and faith. The two seem to not go hand in hand, at least not anymore. That's the message that we're told. But has that always been the case? Actually, the history of science is the history of Christianity. Today, we're going to talk about the role that faiths played in the development of science and technology. It is a very interesting and eye-opening conversation. That's coming up here on Connections. Michael Austin is a well-known Christian commentator. A brand new issue of Christian History Magazine is just releasing issue number 134. It's called How the Church Fostered Science and technology, Michael. Mm-hmm. My first question then, though, about this uh, issue of Christian history coming out, talking a lot about Christianity and science. I think in the year 2020, a lot of people don't think that the two can coincide, right? Like, they think you got to believe in Jesus or you have to believe in science. But I'm picking up that that has not always been the case historically. Well, yes, uh, not only has it not only been not the case historically, but contemporarily, uh, it is not the case. In fact, there's a very interesting article in this issue. Uh, and by the way, the issue, uh, number 134 of Christian History Magazine is in, devoted entirely to this one topic. All of the uh, issues of the magazine take up only one topic at a time. So you get a very thorough treatment of the subject matter. And um, one of the articles uh, covers actually uh, has a very good is a very good commentary on um, on this particular issue, and it's an interview of four prominent scientists, all of whom uh, see no conflict whatsoever. In fact, they are uh, their faith is encouraged and reinforced by their scientific research uh, and their um, their profession in the field of science. And uh, they also hearken back to the fact that science, basically, and I agree with this wholeheartedly, that um, <clears throat> the institution of science was invented by Christians. Yeah, tell us a little and bit about that. That's my understanding. for that. How did that come to be? Well, um, you know, the primary tenet um, or core of our Christian faith is that uh, our Creator, the Creator of heaven and earth, whose story is told in the Bible, uh, created man in his own image. And this is a concept that is, uh, I think, you know, shelved for the most part, particularly in these times, people don't talk about that very much. But that is um, stated in Genesis, the first book of the Bible. It is repeated throughout the scriptures. And it is uh, a concept, if you will, an idea upon which uh, science has been founded. And I can explain that in a number of ways, but basically... Um, I believe that, you know, our, our Heavenly Father uh, knew, in fact, His Son also reminded us that we would forget, <laughs> and that's why He gave us uh, the elements, for instance, uh, of the uh, bread and wine to be shared, 
And when he did that, he said, I want you to do this when you meet together to remember me. And so uh, I think what he was saying there was uh, <clears throat> that's a reinforcement uh, from my perspective in that um, he wants us to remember who we are and <clears throat> how we came about. Now, this is a uh, this is a pretty deep subject, but then probably we, we couldn't cover it in the time that we're uh, that we have. <clears throat> but suffice it to say that this idea uh, made uh, us, the Christians, in fact, the whole world, curious. What does that mean? Uh, not only curious about that, but uh, we Christians, particularly uh, born again believers have a passion to know our Creator. Um, and in, in that respect, what He's given us, He's given us a way to know Him, um, and that is to understand ourselves, to understand His creation, which is, we're included in that, in that uh, being our, uh, the human being was, was created by the Creator who created heaven and earth, and so he, he made this earth, and he made us in his own image. Therefore, we have a great curiosity about this, because if we can find out uh, more about who we are, um, where we came from, what we're all about, where we're living, um, etc., we're going to discover him. I really like because that. That's in his image. Yeah, curiosity is such a special gift too, and I've never thought of it that way before. But uh, when training new journalists, I always tell them, "Be curious, be curious." It's a very important thing, and to think that God created us that way intentionally is pretty remarkable. The, yes, uh, indeed, and I think what you're doing is you're reminding them of, of something that they innately have. They have a gift of curiosity. Um, they are curious, even though they may not know um, uh, God, they may not know the Father, they may not know the Son, they may not have had an experience of Him. But this is how human beings were made. So um, <clears throat> this is a great blessing, and and why the gospel is is accepted by people all over the world is accepted by. Uh, many, many people who hear it for the first time, never having heard it, never having been schooled uh, in theology or uh, biblical history or anything about the Bible, they simply want to know. They want to know uh, who they are, what they're about, and if, and certainly their who their creator is. What what is more exciting than that? Now, historically, I think a lot of people believe. Uh, Christians um, and I don't know the Christian leadership's been against scientific research from the beginning. Like, didn't we put Galileo on trial and things like that? Yes. Well, you know, we have to keep in perspective that this was the uh, various um, stages of what we call the church that was doing this sort of thing, and uh, Galileo was going up against the Catholic Church, and of course we know that in the what is referred to as the Dark Ages and even the Middle Ages, the medieval times, <clears throat> there was a battle going on between uh, the church, the church establishment, and Bible believers, believers in God, people who had encountered Jesus Christ. 
Sound familiar? <laughs> this is a thing that continues today. And, of course, our, our establishment churches are uh, waning. I'm not, I, I wouldn't say that necessarily the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church continues to be the largest established church on the planet. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, however, the Protestants have a, uh, a protest. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, they are protesting certain things about the church. So we know this, and um, so there's been this this uh, battle. I, I don't mean to to suggest that there's not a battle between the, the two establishments, that is, science and faith. Um, and the reason I use the word faith is that um, uh, people of faith find in science reinforcement for their faith. Um, over and over again, and that's what is uh, that's what these four people. And by the way, these are not insignificant scientists. Francis Collins led the uh, Human Genome Project, and is now the director of the National Institutes of Health in, in, in Bethesda, Maryland. So <laughs> this is a this is a, a, a scientist at the top of the scientific field. Uh, William Phillips is a fellow at the. Uh, National Institute of Standards and Technology, uh, who received uh, in 1997 a Nobel Prize in Physics. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah. Catherine Halo is a uh, atmospheric scientist and the um, political science endowed professor in public policy and public law at Texas Tech University. And her field is the study of this thing that we call global uh, climate change. Interesting. And I was going to ask... Lastly, Allison uh, Greenflight is a, is a uh, uh, postdoctoral fellow of immunology at the University of Pennsylvania. Very timely immunology. What we're talking about there is how to protect ourselves from viruses like COVID. <laughs> so uh, these are key individuals in, in top of their field. Uh, of science, and uh, all of them Bible-believing uh, Christians. That's very, very interesting. I was going to ask, like, at the start of scientific research, there's a lot of very uh, strong Christians involved in science discovery in the mid-16th and century and 17th century, but here in 2020, they're still very, very active and at the top of scientific research in the world. That's right. In spite of all of this propaganda that we hear about all these scientists who are anti-religion, uh, anti-faith, yeah. um, they may, many of them may be anti-religion, but uh, I think in the majority they are, um, uh, they are people uh, either of faith or uh, agnostics who are curious. There are very, very few um, genuine atheists um, it, throughout history, and particularly at this time, if you question them carefully, you find out that they believe in something. They believe in, in some greater power. Um, uh, people of faith would call that God, but uh, they have a resistance against that. Uh, that's something that has been taught more and more in our colleges and universities, and they therefore uh, feel... Uh, empowered to have that uh, that kind of uh, position in life, but um, uh, most of them are young. Uh, they haven't uh, they haven't lived uh, lived very long or turned many corners uh, to find a reason to have faith in a 
uh, in a loving God. Um, that usually happens after one has matured a little bit. So um, we're, we're praying for them. I've often wondered how somebody can study how the universe began and come to the conclusion that it was all an accident, right? Like, you just can't. So <laughs> what you said makes a lot more sense then. <laughs> they believe in something, yeah, they just don't know what they believe in yeah. yet. I, I, uh, I appreciate your point. Uh, how, how can you justify thinking that uh, a, a universe so organized and orderly, such as the one that we live in, and that's what science proves day, every day. How could that be from an explosion which causes chaos? You know what that makes me think of, actually? It makes me think of Paul and uh, the people of Mars Hill, right? And he says you have this Ooh. one monument to the unknown God. You don't know who it is, but you know he's out there. Let me tell you who he is. Yes. And there's a still... Brilliant, uh, a brilliant debater's uh, strategy. Um, he saw that uh, there was a... Uh, there was a place in their lexicon of God that um, might make them curious, might make them think a time or two about um, what it's all about. And he addressed that, which I, I think is, uh, you know, uh, very creative and very effective, by the way. <clears throat> so, um, and I think that uh, throughout history, that same uh, approach, has opened the door in uh, now virtually every nation on earth. There are Christians who are uh, telling the truth, talking about the gospel, sharing their faith, sharing the hope that is within. And, uh, you know, that, that's our, um, that's our mission. That's our, uh, we were commanded to do that. That was mm -hmm. uh, the last commandment of Christ just before he left this earth. So I think we uh, that should that should get our attention. Um, you know, when I was growing up, um, we were kind of in conservative evangelical circles in the '80s, I think, and it almost felt like uh, I don't know. It felt like a lot of people were telling me that Christians shouldn't pursue science because you're going to get taught all these things that point you away from God, and so it's dangerous. But uh, so why should Christians become involved in science more and more? Um, you know, why should Christians pursue science, or how is it that they are pursuing science? I think we have to look back, and this is, uh, this is uh, what I'm about to say is covered thoroughly in the, the uh, primary article, uh, the lead article in the magazine, which is titled Divine Power, Wisdom, and Goodness, and it chronicles the history of, of early Christians who began to study knowledge and study the world around them. And there were two basic uh, things that they were doing. First, they, they were expecting, this is, this is remarkable, and I think when you think about it, you'll, you'll see the truth in it. They were expecting to learn God's character as they studied and reflected on the material world. We just talked about that at at some length, and and so I think we can understand that that it was uh, the Christians' expectation that they would find God's character. Number two, the second um, a big theme in, in all of this was that um, if God had, had created the, the universe and the laws under which the universe operate, 
then there had to be a consistency with that and the Bible that they were reading, God's Word. And guess what? They found that to be the case. In fact, they found that the universe was an incredibly ordered, a finely designed, a faithfully consistent environment. We're not living in a world that is chaos. We're living in a highly order, ordered and regimented world. Um, you, can, uh, you can bank on that sun rising in the morning. You can bank on uh, the moon, uh, you know, uh, increasing and waning. Not only that, but you can set your clock against that. Uh, you know, the, the, the invention of the clock was a replication of God's timing. Uh, you can find in Genesis and uh, in the in the Old Testament um, the concept of time and concept of calendaring. Ah, yeah. Um, yes, the uh, the God of the of our, our creation, the uh, the Father of our Savior Jesus, actually in his Bible tells us how to prepare and get ready for his feasts so that you can come and be with him uh, in his company, which were these wonderful um, Old Testament feasts, and they were calculated. People knew how to get to them uh, and where to go to them because of the uh, of what they were reading in their scripture. And that has to do with uh, observing the, uh, the timing of the sun and the moon. So the, the very idea of a calendar came out of the Bible, it was was founded on the Bible. It has changed over time because we have adapted it to our own methods and our own needs. And that sadly, isn't that the problem? Yeah, that's so <laughs> that speaks to a lot of what's wrong with us, right? We just change things to what do we want? What do we need right now? <laughs> exactly. So that that's kind of what we've done. But the history of science is a fascinating study when especially when it's co joined with the history of the faith, because uh, they go together like a hand and glove. Um, it's it's just wonderful to read about people like the uh, Roman Emperor Otto II, um, you know, who uh, took notice of the people that were studying what became science. And this was um, Gilbert of Aralac, who lived... Uh, from 946 to 1003. And um, that gentleman was the greatest mathematician of his time and became Pope Sylvester II. Um, what you had from that time on until very, very recently was the people who were uh, ahead of their class in theology, um, <clears throat> the theologians, the... Um, uh, the fathers of the faith, the most learned people were the priests and the monks and the pastors mm-hmm. of their day. Uh, those were the most highly educated people. Um, and they were not only creating what we know now as the university and the college, and that came about as a wonderful study of uh, uh, Martin Luther, who was a monk, uh, he was a monk in a monastery. The monastery became the University of Wittenberg. Um, he discovered some things in the Bible that convinced him that um, 
you know, Rome, we have a problem. And that started a, something called the Reformation. It changed the religion. Um, it gave, put uh, the Catholic Church into uh, perspective. Uh, they did a lot of work to clean up their, uh, their act, so to speak, um, to uh, correct things in their religion. But um, they, have, they continue uh, to be a, uh, a very powerful uh, Christian voice. Uh, but so do the Protestants who uh, set off on their own um, path and um, sadly, uh, you know, immediately started making mistakes, uh, one of which was to create all of these denominations. It's hard to keep up with. There are thousands and thousands of denominations these days, um, all of which goes against uh, a biblical concept of unity. We're trying to figure this out. Um the scientists are, are really basically in, involved in a very, very similar process of trying to figure out what this world is all about and how to live in it. And so uh, the history of, the, of those two fields are, are just intertwined throughout history. There are a lot more questions I want to ask you, but we've run out of time. I guess I have to pick up the next issue of Christian History Magazine, number 134. talks about uh, the history of science and technology and Christianity. Michael Austin, thanks so much. Uh, tell me this, Michael. Uh, when you Google Michael Austin, there are a lot of people that pop up, including an outlaw country singer. I'm guessing that's not you, right? That's not me. <laughs> How not, do we find not, you and your not work? Not a country singer, but... Um, uh, you know, speaking of uh, Googling, uh, folks can go on the website, ChristianHistoryMagazine.org, and read this magazine. There's a reader right there. In fact, all of the magazines, with the exception of a couple of issues, all the way back to 1982, 1983, when this uh, ministry started, um, all of these magazines are there. It's a quarterly magazine, so there's only four published uh, per year. They've published a special one this year. Uh, titled Pandemics and Epidemics, huh. recognizing the uh, amazing influence of this uh, COVID um, plague that uh, we are experiencing right now. And so uh, there's going to be five issues that come out this year. But uh, folks can get a uh, subscription of the magazine, by the way, at no cost, because you can't actually purchase a subscription. It's only done by donation. But if there's a financial issue... Uh, the supporters of the ministry want people to know that they uh, can go on the website and uh, ignore the opportunities to donate. Just go through the process of uh, 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 registering for a uh, subscription, and it will be sent to you at no cost uh, for issues in the yearly subscription. Wow, that's amazing. That's great. Thank you so it's much. It's a great website. You can do a lot of research on it. And uh, I just want to thank you. Uh, for your interest in Christian history. It's been, a, it's been a delight to chat with you. Yeah, very good to talk with you as well. I look forward to having you on yet again on the show, Michael. Thanks so much. I hope we can do that. God bless you and your wonderful audience. You too, sir. You take care. Told you, very interesting to hear about all the people at work in science that claim faith in Jesus and follow after him. Thanks for joining us on Connections. Don't forget it plays every day, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. on your radio station as well as 10 p.m. 
to midnight, and you can listen to the podcast anytime, anywhere you get your favorite podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave a rating. That makes it easier for others to find us. We'll talk to you again on Connections.